podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing... Hello and welcome to another World Cup Whistleblowers live from the Albany pub in, uh, in Great Portland Street, we've asked the audience to remain quiet while we're doing this because there was complaints last time about the uh, sound quality, but they're all here, wrapped in front of us here, hundreds of them. I'm delighted to welcome some illustrious guests to this, the second show of, of our second of our live shows. On my left, from Atletico Mint, amongst other many many other fantastic football institutions, Andy Dawson. Hello, good evening. Welcome. Thank you. Mr. Profanity Swan yes, of Twitter. Me. That's me, yeah. To my right, my immediate right, I have from Top Flight Time Machine, Talk Sport, loads and loads of other footballing outlets in the media, as well as other media things, my own brother, Mr. Sam Delaney. Woo! Hey, the audience have told you. It's great to it be down. here, everyone, but keep, please calm yourselves. Keep it down, please. And to my far right, I've got first make his debut on the whistleblowers from goal click and he's going to tell us all about it a bit later matthew barrett welcome matthew it's very nice to make my debut in front of such a big crowd thank you for coming thank you very much for coming now before we carry on we've got a lot to talk about this world cup is fully underway i'm very excited but i'd just like to say the following very important things this podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Labrooks. They're giving you special odds during this tournament as well. So for starters, if you sign up and bet a quid on England, getting through the group stage, they will give you odds of 50 to 1, and you will then receive £50 worth of free bets to use on the tournament, assuming they get through, right? Or something like that. Use promo code KNOCKOUT, and the link is bet.thewhistleblowers.net and if you've already already got an account don't worry because they're giving our listeners a free bet if England don't win the World Cup which is unlikely I know all you have to do is bet on England to win the World Cup and your stake will be matched if they fail to do so that is free money by my reckoning I reckon so lads what do you think are you enjoying what do you you think of this World Cup so far Andy Um, I'm enjoying it because I've managed to reschedule any work that i've got around it so i'm kind of done for the day by about 12 30 and then i can sort of just sit back and enjoy the football for me it's it's been slightly lacking there's been a lot of damage limitation i think from from kind of the the minnows Mm. within the within the groups trying to keep the scores down trying to keep the hammerings down um, 2014 for me was was the best World Cup I've seen in about 30 years because there was an absolute ton of goals in the in the group stages. It died off a bit in the knockout stage, but in the groups it was it was goals galore. And the, in the first uh, the first round of matches in 2014 there was 49 goals. The first round of matches this time has been 32. Mm. So it's a big it, difference. It, is, it hasn't been as kind of um, goal filled as I hoped it would be. It, it's it's fascinating. But it hasn't always been sort of, you know, edge of the seat. Yeah, thrills and spills. Ex- thrills and spills, exactly. There's only yeah. really been one thrills and spills, and that was the Spain-Portugal uh, game early yeah, doors, wasn't that it? Was second year, wasn't but it? I wonder if, what do you think, Matthew? Do you think that's because that first game, nobody wants to get tonked in the first game, and hopefully it'll start to open up? I, uh, I actually think the playing field is much more level than it has been before. The, uh, the teams that would maybe be referred to as minnows before 
apart from a few honourable exceptions like uh, Saudi Arabia and Panama, um, they all seem to be much better than they were in previous World Cups and maybe not necessarily um, you know, an ability factor, uh, but they, um, they, you know, they're, they're keeping up with all the big teams. They're certainly more well-organised, I think, defensively. Yeah, I mean... Which they yeah. probably weren't in, in recent years. Yeah, they get in sophisticated coaches, don't they? And coaches, yeah. of course, can organise even yeah. limited players. Like Iran well. last night, exactly, Carlos yeah, yeah. Quiros. Yeah, exactly. Um, had obviously drilled them to be extremely resilient against Spain. And, and I found myself sort of rooting for them, as loads of people seem to. The crowd were making such a lot of noise, weren't they, the Iranian fans? Yeah, atmosphere was And, and uh, in the end... I sort of thought, well, it's weird to root for the team who have made no effort or made little effort yeah, to do anything to score other a goal. Than, sco- than defend on their sort of 18-yard line. But it was, imp- it was an impressive display. And you're right, it was because they've got a top-class coach apart from anything else. I mean, what frustra- m- Mor- so Morocco against Portugal the other night, it was a similar kind of thing. Morocco defended well, um, but they also had lots of chances they could have got an equaliser, but they just don't have... The capabilities up front. Yeah. What frustrates I mean, me slightly is that um, these teams, when they end up going behind, or even when they're drawing, they show real flashes of great ability. You know, Tunisia against England, uh, Iran when they were chasing the game at Spain. These guys can they can play. Yeah. But they don't uh, do but it. They unless, don't do it yeah. early enough, or they they sit back after a while of having a go. But Mexico is the shining light, really. I mean, obviously they are yeah. better than yeah. uh, better than a than an average side. But they showed what you can do when you take it to a world champion. And it would be nice to see a few more teams having a go as the group stage. I'd like to see on. Mexico win the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Especially considering what they're going through at the hands of uh, President Trump at the moment. And you sort of think, Mexico are one, are one of the most football-crazy nations on earth. And yet, I can't really remember them ever having a particularly good World Cup. No. I remember Hugo Sanchez in 86 very fondly. He was good. But other than that, and I just suddenly thought, wouldn't it be a right laugh if Mexico won it? Well, the, the, yeah. Mex- the Mexicans, they've, they've always disappointed on, in the World Cup. They've always had good teams. There's been you know, great generations of Mexican teams, and then that, they go out you know, nil-nil and lose on penalties, or mm. they, yeah. they lose to the US, and you know, they, mm. they've always you know, been that team that has bottled it at the tournaments when even hopes are high. So maybe it's their year, Sam. Maybe Could it's their be. Year. I hope so. I think yeah. they might be my second team when England get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Matthew, you're going out there, right? When I am. are you going out there? I'm going out on Monday. And you're going out there as part of your Gold Click I am. activities. Tell us a little bit about Gold Click. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Gold Click is a global football photography project. Um, we find one person from every country in the world. Uh, we send them a disposable analog camera and we ask them to tell a story about um, themselves or their country through football. And we've been doing a big project in Russia for the last few years, um, kind of seeing what the real Russia is through the eyes of Russians themselves. So, we have an exhibition on for a month in Moscow um, and I'll be out there hosting an event uh, while I'm there, but also taking in three matches. Brilliant. What matches are you going to get to? Uh, Mexico, Sweden uh, ah. in Yekaterinburg. Uh, mm. I'm actually going with my Russian photographers uh, that I've, you know, I guess made friends with over the years through this project. Um, that's going to be a great game now that Mexico and Sweden have both won their first match. Uh, and then I have tickets to the two last 16 games, which hopefully, and as I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute, uh, would be potentially Spain versus Russia and uh, maybe England if we come second versus the teams whose strip I'm wearing right now, which is Senegal. Very nice strip. <laughs> It is as well. It is nice. It's very fetching. 
Yeah. So where can people see uh, GoldClick? GoldClick.com, is it? Yep, it's gold-click.com and on Instagram at GoldClick and Twitter at Goal underscore And you're not worried about... about um, well, apparently the atmosphere... We were just talking about that, Andy, weren't we? That out there it's supposed to be... It's quite nice out there, right? Yeah, I mean, there's been no reports of any trouble or anything like no, that. The England fans all. have caused a bit of trouble. Oh, there's some, <laughs> some, yeah, there's some... Like, there's a few na- going on Nazi... There's some Nazisms going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been which s- isn't ideal. It's no. been, uh, it's been for me. Like, obviously, I've been going for. The, I've been had my ticket six months ago, yeah. and you were a bit worried. Been, no, people have been telling me to be worried, but you know, I, because I guess, you know people out there on the ground, right? correct? And you know, they've been telling me it's total nonsense for the last six months, and right. for, whatever, for whatever reason, you know, given that the Russian state don't want it to be uh, to be violent, yeah, um, yeah. But it was never going to happen, and you know, I. I I've been looking forward to this World Cup so much and I can't wait to get out there. Yeah. Hopefully nothing does go wrong. There was yeah. that sort of prevailing fear after the, the Euros when the, the Russians sort of descended mm. um, onto the England fans with weapons and all sorts of things. Knuckle yeah. dusters. With yeah. the full backing of the Russian Belts. government. I, I tell you the, the weirdest thing about that backing, yeah. wasn't just the knuckle dusters, which doesn't seem like fair play. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I think all football hooliganism is abhorrent, but if you're going to do it, don't be wearing knuckle dusters. But the weirdest thing of all was mouth guards. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that really is silly. Next level. Yeah, it's next level stuff. And it takes, it's not in the spirit of hooliganism, is it? It's no, not the Queen's to be wearing rules. protection. Yeah. No. It's much better to like roll up a newspaper or something, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, a Millwall brick, yeah. I believe bash, we used to call it. Bash someone over the head with that. Yeah. I mean, it's not right, but at least it's it, within the boundaries of it's what we ethical. commonly understand it's to be hooliganism. hooliganism. It's reasonable. It's like they're taking it too seriously. They, you know, they do training in the woods and all that, don't they? But <laughs> the anyway. woods. I love it. The woods. Yeah, in the Did forest. you see that last night on the... Um, the pundits on the what was the, on the Iran game at half time when when they they talked about Southgate dislocating his shoulder. Oh yeah, and they said apparently the accident happened in the woods. There was a small pause, and then Ian Wright went, <laughs> "What was he doing in the woods?" <laughs> <laughs> they, all, they all absolutely cracked. They must have cracked up for a good minute. <laughs> they couldn't collect themselves the at all. I don't know what they were suggesting. But uh, even Roy Keane was laughing a bit, and the rest of them no, were, all, were in pieces. That. Roy no. Keane's been a bit more jovial this. Uh... Yeah, but oh, that's not saying much. Do you know what? Maybe he's found love. What? I mean, well, he's he, already he's got his dog. Yeah, but I don't know. Sometimes, if you see a man like that, a man that angry, and they don't come any angrier than him, maybe no. Graham Souness, but and yeah. You know, you sort of think sometimes they soften up and you think, what's going on with him suddenly laughing and being nice all over the place? Lost the Almost beard. always you find out. He's been getting some action. If, if a beard's gone as well, means he's met <laughs> someone young who's kind of made it. Look, Roy, you don't have to be like this. <laughs> you don't need that beard. You don't need the beard. If these, if these uh, words are conjuring images that you'd like to dwell on just momentarily, let, why don't we take an ad break to allow people to just digest that? The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. And we're back in the room, this very crowded room. Now, we touched on uh, Gareth Southgate's injury. Um, I I think it's only right that we should start to preview, quite comprehensively, the England game that's coming up on Sunday. Injury news is Southgate's out in terms of playing. (laughs) But also uh, injured is Delhi Alley, of course. And rumoured to be in danger of being dropped is Raheem Sterling. Mm. Andy, would you drop Raheem Sterling? Um, to be quite honest, I would because um, he, he, it, it's a tricky one. He, he's not playing with the same quality of players that he has at Manchester City. 
um, and he's not kind of playing in the same position. Um, he's he's on an, an incredible run of bad luck in terms of goals. I think it's 21 matches now without a goal for England. And perhaps it's just, you know, with all the stick that he gets as well in the media, which isn't an excuse for leaving him out, mm. but perhaps it's just time to take him out of the firing line a little bit. Rashford can come in and do a similar job. And then, you know... Um, Raheem Sterling could come on as possibly an impact sub. Panama are there for the taking. So Sterling could come on quite easily, 20 minutes to go, and get that elusive goal. Yeah. Yeah. Which could kickstart everything for him again for England. Early in the tournament, always good to get as many players getting some game time as well. If you're going to go a bit deeper, it's it's worth doing. So um, so let's say we all kind of think Rashford for Sterling would be a good idea. If Deli Alli isn't fit to play, and it looks like it'll probably be that, there's no point in risking him, is there, if if he's a bit... Would you stick in young Loftus-Cheek, Sam? Oh, yeah. I thought he was looked really great when he came on. I mean, both of them, him and Rashford, when they came on against Tunisia, really livened up the game. Yeah. They were really bold. Every time they received the ball, both of them looked to actually make something happen. You know, they were turning on the ball very quickly, trying to take players on. And I think that he would be the perfect choice. The, the, the real cop-out choice would be if he was to bring on Delph, uh, yeah. which is what he had seemed like he to have contemplated. And I, I found that really disheartening because what I loved about, about the lineup that he picked was that it was so attacking. Just Henderson was the only player with any kind of defensive yeah. role. Yeah. And Delph coming on for, for Ali is such a sort of downgrade, isn't it? Whereas Loftus-Cheek felt like a really great replacement for him. Yeah. Um, so I would... And of course, we're playing against weak opposition against Panama. And so it's a great opportunity, irrespective of there being injuries, to think, all right, well, let's hold some players back for Belgium and beyond. And, and you know, you could mix up uh, uh, several areas of the team if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, did you, uh, you look at that team and you think one holding midfield player is quite unusual in any, any form of football. And do you, think, you kind of feel like when they play good teams and they play Belgium and then presumably after that only good teams, they'll possibly change it and, and stick someone in probably dire beside Henderson and sacrifice somebody further forward? Maybe, but maybe there. I mean, I was reading this interview with Steve Holland, the assistant. Who, who, of course, came from Chelsea. And and they were talking about how they came across the idea for it. And it's not just about, you know, playing against weaker teams and thinking you can sort of play less defensive players. It seems to be that they think that they've got... It seems to me that they think they've got more potential to score with all these players on the pitch. And they actually want to squeeze as many of these goal-scoring threats on as possible because that in itself might be a way of combating better teams. Attack is the best form of defence. Yeah, I didn't want to use that phrase. <laughs> what, you, what you correctly identified was I was dancing around <laughs> that cliche without saying He didn't use the cliche, and so I'll be damned if yeah, I was yeah. going to. But, but that's more or less is, what was being said. If you look at England, you think, actually, there is, there's goals and energy in that team big time. But you look at that defence and you think... Spain, imagine Spain or France setting or Germany setting about that defence and maybe then the, the thing to do is try and outscore them, yeah. Because you can't see... Or maybe, Maguire you know, with all those players, the, the, there's the press, isn't there? They're all, they're yeah. all, they were all chasing down the ball quite high up in yeah. the pitch and maybe that's it. Whereas what we've seen in countless tournaments before is England coming up against teams that are more accomplished than them on the ball 
and just basically doing what Iran did last night yeah. in Spain, stringing our defence and our midfield across the 18-yard box, and it all being kind of guts and glory, throwing yourself in front of the ball. And where's that ever got us? At best, that's why we always go out on penalties, because the best we ever hope for is a nil-nil or 1-1, and then end up exhausted and losing on penalties. I, I mean, you know, it, maybe there's another way. I think that's what Southgate and Steve Holland yeah. thought. Is maybe there should be another way where we actually try to win the game. Yeah, you know? it's very refreshing to see a plan, even if uh, it may end up not going yeah. completely according to plan. There is a clear plan. There's a clear identity. He has, you know, these debates are around one or two positions, not around the entire makeup of a system and a mm. team. I like that there is uh, also developing. Um, a core of a couple of clubs in the side. We have a big Manchester United presence, a big Tottenham presence. Historically, you've seen that teams often do well when they have a lot of players from one side playing in that side. Um, yeah, I, I think that also, as we were saying earlier, the attacks at international level aren't as fluid and aren't as together as uh, at club level. So you don't need to worry so much. I mean, I when, you, when you look back at the first match against Tunisia, they came flying out the traps. And it could have been 3 not to England after 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And th- they just suffered a massive loss of confidence when it didn't come off because the finishing wasn't quite right. And Tunisia kind of came back into the game. But then the second half, when we were pressing for a winner, there was, a, there was one period where the, the, Harry Maguire was into the Tunisia half and it, we were so yeah. high up. Yeah. So I think that you know, that cliche, attack is the best form of defence, is what's in their mind. Yeah, and it'll be good to see how it works against Panama. It does feel like a very modern system as well, because if you think of the club sides that play like that, it's basically City and Liverpool and Tottenham in and the Chelsea. Premier League. It was based on like Steve Holland sort of based it on what they did at Chelsea in the season they won the league, mm. right? Right down to the fact that uh, I can't pronounce his name, but Aspetuleta. Aspilicueta. Aspilicueta, <laughs> yeah. That's the fella. Please, yeah. I'm he not the a, only one that can he, never pronounce that. He, he was a, he was a, uh, a, a rapid fullback who they decided to move to the right side so of the, the back same three. Deal as Walker, so right? that's a direct like copy of what they've done with Walker. You know, so I think Steve Holland has almost completely taken that template. So he's ta- and that's Conte, right? That's his that Conte, was, yeah, it's Conte, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So Italy didn't qualify, but they've ended up having a strong influence. influence in our but team. It, it is even more advanced, though, because, you know, only one um, defensive-minded midfielder and two very attacking central midfielders in there as well. That's, you know, it's the next level on from just playing a back three where you'd normally have two holding midfielders. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really offensive. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, what, what, the nice thing about it is you can get behind it and get excited by it, can't you? And yeah, and if you lose, like at like least you've you gone say, out with some honour. Yeah, if you lose, no one can go. Oh, go you know, well, oh, well, you know, Southgate didn't have a plan. It was useless. You know, it's like we want to go out. You want to, you want to go out three two or four three, don't you? And I think there hasn't been the expectations with Southgate that there has been in previous managers. So, you know, if they do go out in the, the round of sixteen, no one's going to say, "Well, that's yeah. useless," because you know, no one really expected that much from them. Yes, yeah. we lose to Panama. Yeah, well, that's the thing with England. You never know, do you? Yeah. I mean, they could easily lose the next two games and yeah. just go home. I mean, that's what happens. That Costa, does yeah, happen, Costa, Costa Rica lost. Yeah, but, we're all going, oh, at least we'll lose in glory. But, yeah. like, you know, it's equally as... Uh, it's, it's equally as conceivable in my mind, and I'm sure all of yours, that we watch in horror on Sunday as we lose 1-0. Like, yeah. they go 1-0 up on the stroke of half-time, and then we throw everyone on, and Vardy's on everyone's on the pitch trying to yeah, score and, yeah. they, and we just cannot catch a break and we yeah. lose 1-0 and we're out. Yeah. And well, they we're go not a new low. 
But with England, also another thing that seems to have changed, and again, this could be complete. This, this could be totally disproved. But they look mentally a bit stronger in as much as they feel freer and more positive. Because if you look at the way those results against Costa Rica and then, and then the last one, the Iceland one, which is one of the worst, probably the worst ever. They looked mentally incredibly fragile, didn't they? They looked like scared, absolutely, almost parallel rabbits in headlights. And I, I feel, may, as I say, this could be disproved, but I feel like they're not going to be prey to that this time. There's something that, that Southgate seems to have done to, to let them uh, be more positive I mentally. Think the, I think the fact that the, there's so many of them that are so young yeah. is, is a positive thing yeah. because they've all got that fearlessness. They're all of the same age, so they've come through together yeah. together and experience the same stuff um they, they don't have a great deal of tournament experience i mean jordan pickford's just a baby internationally yeah. um so there's kind of that it's not a naivety but it but it's a freshness about them yeah. which, which can only be a good thing i think there was a refreshing lack of panic in that last 20 minutes yeah. where they just yeah. kept passing yeah. kept pulling balls in yeah. as though they knew if we keep knocking on the door we will it's score gonna, it's going to come yeah, yeah. But so looking at uh, so we're all very I mean the whole country's upbeat about England and why not because they did look I mean you know it was a good result without being you know they didn't thrash them but they they came through and kept at it like you say and played some good football. Look, we've seen all the top teams at least once as we record this. So we're watching uh, France. The reason why it's quiet here is because a lot of people are trying to concentrate on the football match. <laughs> <laughs> but we're watching France beat Peru at the moment. With uh, there's ten minutes to go in that game. You know, so far, I don't know what you think, guys, but I don't think there's been a team that has looked, you know, way ahead of everyone else. And I don't, I even would go so far as to say I I haven't seen a team yet look like they couldn't conceivably be given a good game by England. Does anyone worry you? Uh, Well, funnily enough, Spain against Iran, I was looking at the way they moved the ball around. And although Iran did a great job and, and you were kind of rooting for them a little bit, the, the way in which they play football, Spain, and it's been the case for years, really, yeah. on and off, just looks different to the way that mm. England and lots of other teams play football. Yeah. They're, they're so mobile and, and adept. Every single player is so adept on the ball. Yeah. So they never really... Go Silva, Vasquez, kind yeah. of triangles. Yeah. yeah, and they never look at the ball. That's something that I've noticed. The ball just comes to them, and their head's always up, but they just definitely control it and move it on very quickly. And it's really... I can imagine that being terrifying to play against like, yeah. and to watch. If, if you're watching your own team play against that, it'd be scary. But doesn't mean we couldn't, you know, give them a game. I think in many ways, Portugal looked like the most intimidating side in as Ronaldo. much as Ronaldo's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, on, on such incredible... He's obviously up for it. And if he's up for it, you think, well, anything's possible. They just won the Euros. So yeah. I would say Portugal so far to me looked like the most intimidating side. But there's no... I mean, it's rare though, isn't it? Like in the first round of matches to, for any one team to really hit their stride early. Completely. Yeah. And, and Germany and might go and win well, the next two matches. I was going to say, some, some teams famously start very badly and end well, up Spain winning Spain lost in 2007. Yeah. Spain lost the first game. game. I always think to, uh, back to 1982 when uh, Italy were absolutely terrible throughout their first group. Yeah. Everyone's looking at me blankly because no one's as old as me. Andy remembers it. That was my it. first World Cup. I remember yeah. that one, yeah. It was good. I've heard the stories. I mean, they were so bad, yeah. Italy. It was Until, like, it was, it was a was national disgrace. The whole of Italy was in despair. They were embarrassed and then ended up winning the whole bloody thing. Paolo Rossi 
sort of clicked into uh, yeah. action. That he was hopeless in the group games, wasn't yeah. he? And he'd just come yeah. back from a ban, hadn't he? He'd been, he'd been banned for three years, I think, and it had been yeah. um, rescinded early. Yeah, so he so could play, he can play in the World Cup. <laughs> so he's getting back up corruption to speed. Corruption upon corruption. Yeah. yeah, and he turned out to be the massive superstar that we all remember. Yeah, that feels like a good juncture to tell my well-worn Marco Tardelli story. Yeah, Andy. definitely. Yeah. There's always room to drop that one in. Well, you, <laughs> you know when Marco Tardelli scored the goal in the World Cup final and, he, and a famous celebration, he runs yeah. off punching his fists. <laughs> yeah. And years later in an interview, he was asked, Marco, what were you shouting in that famous thing? What were you shouting? People assume he's probably shouting Mamma Mia or something. You know what they're like. And he said, I was shouting Marco Tardelli. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> he just scored the winning Marco. goal. <laughs> I feel like Cristiano Ronaldo does that. Maybe yeah, possibly. Maybe only in his head. But when you look at him, it's just like, I mean, what else? If you just scored the winner in a World Cup <laughs> final, what, what else would you shout? You just think that it's the one time in life where I can legitimately just shout my own name in celebration of my own existence. Do you have dreams where you shout Sandalini? I Sandalini. shout Sandalini all and the time. We, we mentioned Even after this, marginal victories. We, we mentioned this in the podcast, as some of myself do, called Top Flight Time Machine plug there for it yeah um we mentioned the tardelli story and someone tweeted us to say they had heard a story about the um tony polster was he an austrian the, the austrian striker do you remember him yeah vaguely yeah and he, he his thing was after he scored a goal he'd run up to the goalkeeper and whisper in his ear tony polster <laughs> <laughs> now I've, I've researched this and i could find no confirmation of this online whatsoever but I am I'm fully prepared to believe this Tony Polster well, we'll look him up we'll get him in touch I mean think I might, amazing. Think whatever I might the keeper that to was doing even, sometimes of course the keeper was lying prone on the floor and he'd get down no matter what he'd get right <laughs> get down next his to his ear Tony Polster <laughs> <laughs> let's have a look lads at the Labrooks odds for top scorer in this tournament and yeah. see what takes your fancy now you won't be surprised to learn that Cristiano Ronaldo is almost odds on. He's 15 to 8. He's got four goals, hasn't he? Mm. There's a lot of good strikers who've started this tournament well. Costa, Kane, Lukaku uh, being the obvious one. So Costa's got three, hasn't he? He scored two in the first game and another one. Kane scored twice. He looks like he's going to score a couple of times every game. I mean, he looks like he's on that. And Lukaku as well, but who um, wasn't there. And then there are he's others twice, coming yeah. through. You I can like get 33 to 1 on Messi. on Messi. That looks like a good bet. Yeah, I like the look of, of Neymar at 25 to 1. Because Neymar had a poor first game yeah. against Switzerland. But I think Brazil will go to the final. Or certainly they've got an extremely good chance of getting there. And, you know, he's their centre forward or he's their main yeah, striker. Their so, main I mean, through. just on the basis that he's likely, I would say he's more like score, to play more games than anyone else. He's unlikely to get dropped. I would say that 25 to 1 is a good bloody price on yeah. Neymar. Yeah. But I also like to look at Griezmann at 20s just because he is so top class, isn't he? Who scored in this game we're watching now? From Mbappe. Yeah, Mbappe. Yeah, now where's he? He's, he's, uh, you can get 45 to 1 on Mbappe. It's quite an unusual price, 45 to 1 as well. They're mm. all going to be so far behind Ronaldo now, though, aren't they? I mean, someone's going to have to have two or three great games Couple of deep into the semi-finals to catch Ronaldo. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, mean, I put somebody on Suarez... I put money on Suarez yeah, because I thought your group was... Um, he's scored a couple, hasn't he? Was, was quite um, easy for them, but he's got one so far. So. What usually takes it? Five goals, six goals? Five yeah. or six usually, yeah. yeah. And to win the whole thing, Brazil remain favourites, which surprises me slightly. Nine to two with Spain. Spain? Nine to two, Nine joint favourites well. with uh, Brazil. Spain, I agree with you, Sam. They've looked the most impressive team, even if their results haven't been 
amazing, but mm. they have looked the best team on the ball. So they're 92, Brazil are 92, France sevens, Belgium eight, Germany eight, and uh, Argentina, England. And I tell you what, Sam, you can get 16 to one on the Portuguese. I might have some of that. Hey. 16 to 1 on the Portuguese, yeah, yeah because I mean, anything's I, possible. I mentioned damage limitation earlier on, but it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out once it gets into the knockout stage and, and teams aren't sort of playing backs to the wall quite so much and it, it opens up a, a bit. I mean, the knockout hopefully. stage is it's mouth-watering, isn't it? Well, isn't it? It is, of course. Hopefully, yeah, in theory, yeah. but you never know. It might be just well, My mouth-watering and we're not that? even... Sam, you know a bloke who has predicted the entire tournament and never gets anything wrong, right? George the Prophet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just as there was Paul the Octopus in Germany in 2006, yeah. <laughs> we call this man George the Human. Yeah. And he <laughs> is a well-renowned prophet. And I actually, I don't know him very well. He's just renowned uh, am- amongst a certain milieu. And, but he's legendary and he's predicted, we've seen before where he is, you know, I have received his predictions prior to a tournament um, via a friend of a friend and then seen how they've actually stacked up as the tournament's going on. Last World Cup, no word of a lie, he got 90% of outcomes right. Not all the score lines, but outcomes. He predicted who would be in the final and he predicted that Germany would win it. What's his view on Russia? We haven't mentioned Russia. Mm. Qualified for the qualified for the last yeah. sixteen already. Home support, yeah. Behind so I it, think he goals. might. I think he might already be wrong on that. Let me. I've got it on my phone. Hold on. Russia are thirty-three to one. Okay. I saw an interesting tweet today, and I don't know how much truth there is in it, but somebody has done the um, done the numbers on um, yards covered by teams, and apparently Russia, with the history of uh, drug cheating, <laughs> <laughs> Russia are by far and ahead. The, the covering the, the, the most the ground covered the most ground so far in the two matches that they've played bloody hell so, oh, yeah because you do think Russia maybe if they are going to take drugs and maybe buy the refs <laughs> they've got a, they've got, a, got to be good value at 33 to anything, 1 but yeah Matthew's so, saying nothing because he's going out there he's thinking <laughs> I want nothing to do with this I, I, your comments <laughs> he's doing have the fingers no reflection across the, fingers no reflection across the on my thing. views I, you know what when I I am I was, uh, I was talking with people before the tournament and one of the things I said I wanted to see was a good performance from Russia because I feel like a World Cup needs... Oh, he really is doing... He's yeah. really doing his... It needs a good... It, no, but... Laying the groundwork here let, for a Let good them trip. go out in the last 16, but actually the whole place will be buzzing yeah. because they're doing well. Yeah, yeah. but... Who are they know, likely to get? Every Russian fan and pundit and expert said that this was said the they worst were Russian team ever. They were also they, the lowest Thank God they got Saudi team. Arabia in the... <laughs> no, yeah. hang on a minute. Yeah. They, they beat Saudi Arabia 5-0. And what was their second result? Egypt. Yeah. Sal- Salahless. saw them really. off. Right. So this is, by common consent amongst their own fans, the worst Russian team ever to go into a tournament. They have won both their opening games comfortably. They are renowned as like the most one of the world's most corrupt states. Are you telling me you don't smell a you didn't smell a rat when they went five nil up and then it cuts us down and Putin's there, his face full of Botox. Do you know what? Sat next to sat, sat next to the Audi, Saudi prince and they high five each other do, at the end. Do you know what? I, I can see where that comes from, but also the goals were amazing. You can't like you can't drug those goals that I'm Cherisov not saying there's caught. drugs. I'm saying there might have been money exchanged. Oil. I'm saying there is something fishy going on in Let, this World let's Cup. Let's see how they do against I mean, Uruguay. When, and the World I think we'll get when, a when what's his name? Uh, so, Harry Sam's going to get taken out in a minute when by Harry a sniper's bullet. When Harry wrestled to the floor continually, 
in that game against uh, Tunisia. Yeah. And then that soft penalty got given against us. I was, all, I mean, I was already suspicious after the rest result. <laughs> During that game, I was like, had we not won, I would have thought that is, there is definitely... Something going on The here. refs have been nobbled here. <laughs> well, that's, that's quite a sobering thought. Well... But no, yeah, like you say, don't rule anything in or out. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, if you if you're Putin, you think there's nothing I can't. I've already bought Brexit. Yeah. I bought the there's the American he, election. Why can't I buy a World Cup? It's there's I nothing mean, he won't stop at. He doesn't yeah. care. Um, anyway, George the Prophet is already uh, wrong. wrong because he predicted Uruguay and Egypt <laughs> in Group A. But yeah, but he probably did that before Salah got injured. But remember, in he, d- he did. Yeah, and remember, ninety percent, not a hundred percent. Yeah. Anyone want to know what his predictions for England are? Go on then. He, he's got us down as finishing second, which is said second in Great. no in in the group. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say in the group. And he said, you know, that um, it's he, it, he hopes we finish second because he said England have got no chance if we meet Brazil at any stage because of the way Brazil set up. We, most okay. teams we could take on he doesn't. Anyway, we beat Senegal 3-2 in the next round. In the quarterfinal, are you ready for this, lads? Yeah, Germany. We draw with Germany 2-all, but beat them on pens. Finally. Oh, what a night that'll be. Before having been the, the nation and the players and Southgate with his dislocated shoulder are emotionally and physically drained and go down 2-0 to Argentina in the semis. Oh. Argentina in the semis. We'd take that, though, wouldn't we, lads? Can't, can't see them getting out of the Sounds group. dramatic. Mm. We'd take it. We'd take I think it. that's a good moment to, uh, for us to get out while we've got England on that glorious run to yeah. the semifinals. I think I'm still allowed to go to Russia. Uh-huh. You are. Yeah, well, yeah, sorry if we queered your pitch there, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming, Matthew, and appearing Pleasure. on your Make Your Whistleblowers debut. Thank you very much, Sam for coming along thank you Andy pleasure by the way Sam and Andy have got a podcast called World Cup Time Machine I think I'm right in saying another excellent World Cup podcast nostalgic look back at World Cups of yore there you go it's actually in the top flight time machine because we usually do the Premier League but we've diverted into the World Cup right so So if you're searching time machine you'll find us yeah and they're both very very good I can tell you that thank you everyone for tuning in thank you audience please do not applaud because we've agreed no background noise for technical reasons but i'd like to thank you all for coming again and uh, we'll see you next time cheers everyone come on england this is a playback media production to listen to all our football podcasts visit playbackmedia.co.uk the whistleblowers is back for the season by labrooks Never write off the Germans is back, this time with me, Barry Castanola, for another season of hilarious Celebrity World Cup quizzery. Each episode, I'll be joined by three lions of the comedy world who will battle it out in a hastily put-together quiz and share their favourite World Cup moments. The winner will celebrate like a drugged-up Maradona, while the losers will cry into their shirts like Gaza. I'll be refereeing proceedings with the authority of Pierre-Luigi Colina, but the ego of Mark Clattenburg. Download the first episode next week with guests Bob Mills, Kevin Day and Paul Tonkinson. If you want free tickets to the live recordings in central London, go to belletto.co.uk, that's B-I-L-L-E-T-T-O, and search Never Write Off The Germans. Subscribe to Never Write Off The Germans now and never miss an episode by finding us at neverwriteoffthegermans.com or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually get your podcasts. Terms and conditions apply. Listeners don't have to be over 18, but they may be the swear word. The winner may not be on drugs and losers may not cry. Hilarity not guaranteed for everyone whose comedy is subjective. Podcast Network.